you miss Canton and Carlin? Chargers fans, my co-host Matt Jones thinks there are currently in the continental United States. You're listening to Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on your smart speaker by saying play ESPN Radio. Happy holidays to you and yours. Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones with you on this Tuesday afternoon, as always presented by Progressive Insurance. You can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call-in line this afternoon, 888-SAY-ESPN. 888-729-3776. So the Los Angeles Chargers, Matt, have clinched a spot in the AFC playoffs with a 20-3 win over the Indianapolis Colts on Monday Night Football. And before we get into that, where exactly are you right now? I hear some sneakers skipping across the, the floor right now, and it sounds like a holiday basketball tournament. Enlighten That's the That's exactly listeners. right. Well, I'm okay. here at Lexington Catholic High School in Lexington, Kentucky, historic, and they are having their annual holiday basketball tournament. Courtney, one of the great fields they've ever had. All the best teams in the state of Kentucky are here, and I know you're excited about this. The number one team in the state of Kentucky is Warren Central High School out of Bowling Green, Kentucky, and they are losing by 20 right 20. now to Madison Central, an historic upset happening this afternoon. Courtney Cronin, that's why I'm here, is so that I know about things like that and tell the good folks of the United States. Yeah, and we do expect you to break in with updates periodically. And I will say, having covered prep sports when I was in Mississippi for three years, 2013 to 16, I got to go to a lot of these holiday basketball tournaments. And no joke, it's some of the best basketball that you see all year up until Wait a minute, so you, you know, got your state start I, oh, covering yeah. high schools in Mississippi. That's, I, that is very cool. You really have, like, risen the ladder. That's a cool thing. That's a cool thing. What was it like covering high schools in Mississippi? Oh, man, I was in the thick of it. And I remember going up to Tennessee during, like, you know, bowl game season, whether I'm covering Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and then sneaking off to a game over in Tennessee or Kentucky somewhere else, covering some of the great teams that were in Jackson, Mississippi. And I covered a recruit named Malik Newman at the time. He was the number one player in the country. Oh, I remember Malik Newman. Yeah, Kentucky wanted him. Yeah. They they sure did. And those tournaments, getting a chance to see him go up against, you know, the IMGs, the Oak Hill Academies, all of those things that typically don't happen in season. That's the type of stuff that you're witnessing right now. So Matt's going to keep us updated on what's going on down in Kentucky with the high school basketball tournament he's currently at. Wait, what's the score? Warren Central up uh, down by? 54-38 with uh, just five minutes and a half to go. I think we're about to see a major upset. Okay, so clearly a more exciting game than what we saw last night on Monday Night Football between the Chargers and the Colts. Just some incredibly bad football from Indianapolis. Nick Foles getting his first start of the season They made a quarterback change. It didn't help. The Colts still went 0 for 10 on third down. The second time this season they failed to convert a third down. But on the flip side of that, the Los Angeles Chargers, after a rocky start, Matt, are a playoff team. It's the first time since he was drafted that we'll get to see Justin Herbert in the postseason. Here's Justin Herbert following the game with ESPN's Lisa Salters on getting to the playoffs for the first time. It means a lot for our team. You know, we've been through so much this year, and for the guys to battle and, uh, you know, keep fighting the way they have, uh, it's been great to see, and ton of respect for our defense today. 
Yeah, their defense certainly pulled this one out on Monday Night Football. The offense kind of all over the place. Justin Herbert threw for 235 yards and an interception, but in the third quarter, those same issues that keep popping up with this offense reared their ugly head. Fortunately for a team now that has clinched a spot in January playing meaningful football, they've got their run game on their side. They went over 100 yards rushing for the third time this season. Austin Eckler had a great game, 67 yards, two rushing touchdowns. But I want to get to this point that you made on yesterday's show about the Chargers and their fans. Are you saying that no one's going to be rooting for this team come playoff time? Well, here's the thing. This may be the first time since LaDainian Tomlinson played that any show led off with the Chargers (laughs) because there is no one. Right now, all across America, people are driving, maybe taking gifts, returning them, you know, skipping their work, whatever. And no one has any thoughts about the Chargers at all because the Chargers, to me, are the least interesting team in sports outside of Justin Herbert because they have no fans. But I actually have a lot of respect for what they do, Courtney, because – I don't think people give enough credit to the fact that they basically play 17 road games every year. And if you think I'm exaggerating, watch a Chargers home game. I would say in nine in their nine home games this year, there are more team fans of the opposing team in eight of the nine. Now, why does that matter? Well, it, we can make fun of the fact they have no fans. But when you get to the playoffs, they're going to have to play all road games. And I would argue, Courtney, they're better suited for that than maybe any other team because they don't have any home fans. They never get the uplift that the Kansas City Chiefs get or Buffalo or Seattle because they don't have any fans. Literally, they go down the streets hoping to see someone who knows who they are and they don't find them. I think they're a dangerous team in the playoffs because, A, they're healthy, B, Justin Herbert is coming into his own, and C, they go on the road, but for them, it's all the road, and so it actually will not hurt them too much. Yeah, that's a good point about the injuries that they've dealt with. That was the huge storyline early on. I remember thinking that it was okay to write off the Chargers week four of the season when they lose – a multitude of players on offense and Justin Herbert dealing with the injury to his hamstring himself throughout the season, battling through that. But for the first time since 2018, they're playoff bound. And some of those things that are going to come to fruition for them down the stretch here, Joey Bosa, he has a groin injury, but he's expected to return to practice sooner rather than later. Rashawn Slater, their left tackle that they spent a first-round pick on in 2021 and had an incredible rookie campaign. He's got a chance to return to the playoffs. Justin Herbert's wide receivers are coming into their own, so maybe it was a little bit, uh, it all happened too late in the season, but they were able to capitalize on that, and now they have a spot in the playoffs next year. Brandon Staley, Chargers head coach, following the win over the Colts, had this to say about Clinton a playoff spot. I think it's just the beginning, just the beginning. Uh, this is not our final goal. Uh, we expected to be at this point. Um, I'm really proud of how this season has gone for our football team and, and what we've been able to demonstrate in order to make it into the postseason. Um, that's probably what I'm most proud of, not just being in it, but how we made it, what it took for us to get in. Um, but, you know, this is just the beginning for us. That was Brandon Staley, Chargers head coach, on what it means for the Chargers to get into the playoffs. Now, there's been a lot of talk, Matt, Matt Jones, Courtney Cronin here on Canty and Carlin ESPN Radio, about Brandon Staley's job beyond this year. Since they made it into the postseason, is he safe in your eyes? He should be. I mean, if they made it in that, listen, his decision-making is always skeptical to me, including the video of him exercising before the game. Uh, I've always, I'm always worried about people who do things that they know are going to be mocked 
and they do them anyway. And I think that was happened with him when he was doing that stretch where he just took his pelvic area and thrust it out and in. But besides that, you haven't been since 2018. Your job as a coach is to take your team to the playoffs, and he's done it. And I think you've seen improvement, and the injuries are the key because as a person who has both Austin Eckler and Mike Williams on his fantasy team, the difference in the Chargers when Eckler plays and doesn't is night and day. I mean, they're not even the same team. Didn't you throw in Mike Williams? They didn't have Keenan Allen for a lot of the year. Like, I don't really know what you would have expected them to do. You mentioned the injuries on defense. So I feel like they've been successful. You look at their playoff game, they're probably going to end up playing either the Bills or the Bengals. And if you're the Bills or the Bengals, Courtney, I don't love that matchup, right? I mean, wouldn't you much rather have in that matchup either, you know, you might get the Titans, you might get the Jets, you might get the Dolphins. You'd much prefer to play them than the Chargers if I'm if I'm trying to choose my opponent. Yeah, and obviously they're trying to improve playoff positioning here down the stretch. We'll see if they're able to do that. But to the note of your fantasy team and to fantasy owners everywhere, and really just to Justin Herbert, to be able to have those top two wideouts back. The first time that happened, the Miami Dolphins game back earlier this month, was the first time we had seen Mike Williams and Keenan Allen on the field in a long, long time. And it paid off last night. Keenan Allen had 11 catches for 104 yards. Mike Williams, four catches for 76 yards. Health trending in the right direction for the Los Angeles Chargers right now. They are playoff bound, one of several teams in the AFC that has already locked up their spot. We want you to be a part of Canty and Carlin Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us, 888-SAY-ESPN. 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. Dank college football season or AFC playoff season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper the one fans deserve. Coming up next, there's a team that's chasing the Chargers in the AFC West, and it's going to take a lot longer for them to actually make the playoffs than anyone had thought. That's after this from Vivid Seats. The football playoffs are right around the corner, and nothing beats seeing your favorite team live. Not only does Vivid Seats have great NFL ticket prices, they're also the official ticketing partner of ESPN. And with Vivid Seats rewards, when you buy 10 tickets, you'll get the 11th free. Download the app and visit VividSeats.com today. Vivid Seats, life happens live. Receive a reward credit equal to the average price of 10 tickets purchased, excluding taxes, fees, and processing costs. See VividSeats.com rewards for terms and conditions. I don't think there was a question that Nathaniel Hackett's job was in jeopardy, but I think few people thought that he would lose his job today. For weeks on weeks on weeks, this offense and their past game has struggled to operate very simple concepts for this franchise, decided they had seen enough. They knew they were going to make a change. And to have such poor showings against the Raiders and divisional opponents. You can fire everybody else, but Russell Wilson's going to be there. Man, It's like having one of those old timeshares that you just can't get rid of. Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones, sitting in for the guys on this Tuesday afternoon, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. So it's been about 24 hours since the Denver Broncos fired head coach Nathaniel Hackett after 15 games, an absolute embarrassment where they got 50-plus points put up on them on Christmas Day in a loss to the Los Angeles Rams. George Payton, Denver Broncos general manager, and new CEO Greg Penner sat down with media members earlier today, talked for about 27 minutes about what happened and what needs to change. I went through this 
this, Matt. I have some of the cliff notes for everyone here, and we'll get into the bulk of this, but I want you to hear from George Payton about the reason why and, what, and not the reason why they made this coaching change. Okay, we'll get to that here momentarily. I actually will give you some of the, the, the highlights here, and I want you to tell me what you think because Greg Penner, who's the CEO of the Denver Broncos, remember, it's the Walton Penner Ownership Group. They have a new group that took over this offseason. Um, they said that this was obviously not the season they were expecting. It's disappointing. Yeah. And this one stood out to me the most. Greg Penner apologizing to Broncos fans for the way that the season had gone, and he said that he's going to be the one leading the search for their next head coach, not general manager George Payton. Well, I mean, that's nice, but there is so much. First of all, if you're the general manager at that point, you've been completely taken out of your job. So you're basically, if I were him, I would be looking for uh, more employment as well. But in terms of looking for the head coach, the problem is they have a fundamental breakdown of being able to find who they want. If you're a head coach and you have any options in the NFL, Denver is the worst place you can go. You know you're stuck with a quarterback that you have for at least two years that has not really been good for the last two years, and there's nothing you can do about it. So if you have any other options as a head coach, you're going to go elsewhere. So that means you have to pick a guy who has no other possibility or you have to go off the radar and pick somebody way out there because you're a a franchise that can't get anyone else. That's a really tough spot to be in. So it doesn't matter to me so much whether the owner or the GM hires it or if he has a search committee. Ultimately, I don't really know, Courtney, that anyone that you would really want is going to be on the table for you. I think they're going to have to reach, and then you're in an even more difficult spot trying to get someone that maybe is not one of your first choices. Yeah, to finish the season, Jerry Rosberg, who was a longtime Baltimore Ravens assistant, was named the interim head coach on Monday afternoon. He was hired in week three after Nathaniel Hackett was struggling with <laughs> to be the coach know, of the coach. Big, big time game management situations. But to your point, he wasn't their first choice. Multiple reports out there that defensive coordinator Ijero Ivero was the one that de- that George Payton wanted to take over this job. He politely declined, but given that he's got a defense that is otherworldly and they're wasting it in Denver, don't think that he'll be there much longer because he'll probably get a head coaching said, opportunity Courtney. elsewhere. I mean, think about what you just said. The defensive coordinator has a chance to, for the first time ever, be a head coach, even if it's for two games, and he says no, and he's already in the building. If you can't get people already in the building to take a job that is no stress, you're not going to be any worse than what was before, what makes you think you're going to be able to get somebody outside to take it later? Well, it's a major indictment, and the reason for that, the elephant in the room, is Russell Wilson, which is what George Payton talked about earlier today, saying that he's not the reason that they made this coaching change. He'll be the first one to tell you he didn't play up to his standard, didn't play up to our standard. He needs to be better. Uh, I don't think we made a coaching move based on Russ. You know That wasn't what it's all about. That's, why, that's not why we're getting a new coach to turn around Russ. It's about the entire um, organization. It's about the entire football team. It's just not one player. Uh, it's not whether Russ is fixable or not. Uh, we do believe he is. We do. This is someone you gave 
millions and millions and millions of dollars to in a trade this offseason and 15 weeks into the season Matt we're talking about whether Russ is fixable for George Payton to even put the notion out there that this quarterback is broken because we all have eyes we all saw those three interceptions that he threw against the Rams on Sunday we already know that something is broken but you're making you're putting this out there that the person that you're trying to hire has this insurmountable task of getting this guy back on track and you just fired his fall guy Russ is going to get exposed even more now than he already has been. Well, I mean, I guess their hope is that people hear that and say, you know what, it was old Nate that was the problem, and once Russ has somebody else, he'll be fine. I don't think anybody really believes that. But I, don't re- I honestly don't know what you do. I, 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 was, I was trying to think yesterday about in sports where the Broncos would rank in terms of fan misery. Just like when looking at the future and going, how can we be good? There's some baseball franchises where you know your, your ownership is not going to spend any money, so it's hard to be uplifted at all about the future. But for the NFL, there's no one close to the Broncos because you know you've got at least two years of misery. And Nathaniel Hackett, we talked about this, he's only the fifth coach ever to not make it through his first year as head coach. And three of the others were college guys who just flamed out. Urban Meyer, Lou Holtz, and Bobby Petrino. So he's one of only two NFL coaches ever to get a job and not finish the year. Yeah, that's an indictment on him, but, Courtney, it's also an indictment on Russell Wilson, and I don't know how people can say otherwise. Yeah, and it's an indictment on George Payton because when you look at this contract that was structured around the quarterback, there's no real out until after 2024. They gave him $165 million guaranteed, which included a $50 million signing bonus. It was a five-year contract. It averages out to $49 million a year. They're stuck. They are stuck with Russell Wilson for the rest of this I mean, season, for the rest of next season, and 2024. And, I mean, the thing is, when you look further into the numbers, if you thought that the Walton Penner ownership group, when pulling the plug on – Nathaniel Hackett was aggressive 15 games in. Matt, you just laid it out there. This doesn't happen all that often. The nuclear option would be to cut Russell Wilson and carry on $107 million in dead cap. That's not even feasible. So we have to figure out, if you're the Denver Broncos, who can come in here and who can try to mitigate this situation next year? Who can try to recapture some of that magic from Russell Wilson's Seattle Seahawks days where he was always in the MVP conversation but never the bell of the ball, never even got a single MVP vote? But where did that Russell Wilson go? Because you know that they didn't trade all that they did this past March to get somebody in there that was broken and going to lead them down this path. And that's what the Denver Broncos need to figure out from here on out going forward. But for George Payton right now, general manager of this team, he's on to his third head coach since he's got there in 2021. A lot of pressure on him. I don't think anyone is safe currently in that front office. Plenty more to get to on this topic and who the Broncos could hire to fix Russell Wilson and whether he's even fixable to begin with. We're going to get into all of that next here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones sitting in for the guys on Canny and Carlin. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! 
arrived. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? be at least 2024 until the Denver Broncos can get out of the contract that they currently have with Russell Wilson. General Manager George Payton held a press conference today and he talked about the fact that Russell Wilson was not the entire reason or the reason at all that the Broncos went in a different direction and it's not about whether Russ is fixable or not. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Matt Jones, Courtney Cronin sitting in for the guys on this Tuesday afternoon. Let's welcome in ESPN senior NFL writer Jeremy Fowler to the show. And, and Jeremy, I'm going to start with what GP said this afternoon, talking about the fact that this isn't about trying to fix Russell Wilson, but there is a lot that needs to be fixed. He's thrown 12 touchdowns, nine interceptions, He's got a 35.1 QBR this year. That's 29th among qualifying quarterbacks. This isn't what they paid for, and they know it. So who fixes Russell Wilson, first and foremost, and is he even fixable? (laughs) Yeah, Courtney, those are tough questions to answer right now. and I don't know if if the Broncos really even know. Um, You know, they, they believe that Russell certainly can improve based on where he's at, and they need an inspired offensive coach to help that. You know, Nathaniel Hackett, they fought had the pedigree to do that as an offensive coordinator in multiple spots. Um, he just wasn't ready for the job for multiple reasons. So they need somebody to get his confidence back up. Uh, you know, a guy like Sean Payton would be probably a pipe dream. I, I don't think Denver's the most attractive job. So I, I don't know that Sean would be all that interested, but uh, certainly I think they will at least take a swing at that. Um, but, you know, it, if you have a good leader who can keep, Wilson and the rest of the locker room accountable, then you can get a good offensive coordinator around him. You know, like a Dan Quinn comes to mind. That's somebody that I think fits in Denver. That would be a natural uh, connection, you know, based on him interviewing there last year as a finalist. And, uh, you know, he's helped us stock this year. You know, the, the latest news on Tua yesterday was very, you know, honestly sad for people who are fans and just, you know, yeah. are interested in his, in his health. 
I don't under- know, Jeremy, how you can put him out there again this season. And then there's, of course, longer-term conversations. What are you hearing about where this is? And just in general, do you think the league, the Dolphins, McDaniel, Tua, can they really put him out there to play and potentially risk a fourth concussion on the year? Well, probably not, Matt. I mean, we, we still need to find out exactly what's going on with, with the concussion, and the Dolphins will probably only reveal so much. Um, the fact that he had symptoms, which Mike McDaniel said he had yesterday, suggests that it is another concussion. So, um, you know, we'll see where that goes. If that's the case, I just I do have a hard time seeing him play at least this week and probably not next week either. Um, but, the, you know, the Dolphins haven't made that definitive uh decision yet and they want to see what happens with the protocol this week and and just how he's feeling they're closely monitoring him and you know but at this kind of level especially with a player who's high profile and has had multiple issues you know the league is probably going to be involved here uh, in any decisions you know they're meticulous throughout all the concussion protocol cases you know so especially this one as well we're talking with Jeremy Fowler, ESPN senior NFL writer here on Canty and Carlin, Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones sitting in for the guys on this Tuesday afternoon. And now this is purely speculative, but you've got to think about when we talk about long-term ramifications, this would be his third concussion this year. There was the one after the Buffalo game. There was the one that, you know, that was obviously late to be diagnosed. And then there was the one that happened on Thursday night football against the Bengals. And now this one is there talk around the league or even the suggestion out there that Tua may have to retire for his own safety? I don't think so yet. I just, I don't know if we have enough information. I haven't really heard that. I know there's concern, certainly. Um, now, we have examples of players retiring. You know, Jordan Reed, the tight end in Washington, comes to mind. You know, Luke Keekley, of course, is a high-profile example. He was 28. Uh, but that was a little different because of the position he plays, linebacker, and he ended up playing up, what was it, eight or eight, seven or eight years at least. And so this is a little different. This is a young player. Um, you know, we just we just don't know from a medical standpoint, um, you know, the nature of these concussions and how one can be connected to the next. Like it's just, from my understanding, they're all very different and uh, isolated cases in a lot of ways, even if they can have some of the same symptoms down the road. So, um I don't know. I still, I, I still expect him to play. It's just a matter of can they, can they decide this year whether it's time to truly shut him down or not, and, and certainly that's a, a healthy conversation to have. We talked yesterday about the fact that for teams that are good, obviously there's the playoff hunt, but then there are teams that stink, like my team, the Chicago Bears, and you, so you sit and think about, all right, well, the draft. And usually at this point, you talk quarterbacks, and there are, it seems like there's a consensus that there are three quarterbacks sort of ahead of everybody else, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis. How many teams do you think towards the top of the draft are certain to want to pick a quarterback? Because if there are only three guys at the top, I would assume there will be a lot of maneuvering. Are you, are you thinking five, six, seven? Like how many teams do you think want a quarterback at the top of the draft? Well, if we're looking at the top, um, certainly there are a handful, and starting with Houston at number one, uh, assuming that they secure that top spot. Um, you know, I would probably pencil in a Bryce Young or one of those quarterbacks there at that spot. They just they have to solidify it. Um, it, it really depends on, on how you feel about, you know, the Will Levises of the world, uh, Anthony Richardson out of Florida, some of these other passers. You know, when I talk to teams, the sense I get is it's Bryce Young, 
C.J. Stroud somewhat close by. But I, I, I do think Young will end up being the consensus, number one, um, if you can get over his size. Uh, that's an issue for some teams. You know, he's not the biggest guy. So, uh, But, you know, you have Seattle now picking, what, third? They're scheduled to pick third. They got yeah. Denver's pick in the Russell Wilson trade. And I know they have Geno Smith, but certainly you could re-sign Geno and draft somebody as well. Um, the Colts have to do something. And they're sitting there right now, I believe, with the fifth pick. Um, do you think Detroit's good with Goff? Like, you think they're going to just go with him? Well, that's another case. I probably put him in that Geno Smith Seattle boat, right? Like, you could, you know, you could draft your future and then and rest him for your knowing Goff's the, kind of the classic bridge quarterback. But he's Goff's played well enough to stick it in there. His contract is pretty reasonable. Like this next year, they can move on uh, without much dead salary cap hit, uh, but they can also keep him at a reasonable clip. So. It would not shock me if he's the starter there in 23 that they have a draft pick behind him. Jeremy Fowler, ESPN senior NFL writer, joining Courtney Cronin and Matt Jones here on Canty and Carlin. And, Jeremy, before I let you go, I wanted to go back to what we were talking about with Denver and the potential coaching options, uh, head coaching options they'll have for next year. And you mentioned Sean Payton might be, might be a pipe dream for them. And I just want to know, is it a foregone conclusion that Sean Payton is coaching somewhere in the NFL next year? How does it work in terms of, like, what his contract is currently with the, with the New Orleans Saints? He obviously has not officially retired. How would that work for him to be somewhere else next season? So, yeah, it's certainly the loose expectation around the league that he'll be coaching somewhere next year that, that he has a strong interest to do it. But there are a lot of factors, and a lot of it will depend on the job. Uh, like it's sort of the worst kept secret that the Chargers job has interested him, but they just went nine and six and secured a playoff berth with two games left in the regular season. Like Brandon Staley's done a nice job there, um, keeping everything together through a lot of injuries. So, so then you got to say, okay, does he want the Arizona job or Denver or one of these others? And I, I'm not so sure, you know, we'll see. He can wait a year and that doesn't hurt him at all. You know, so you don't have to jump right in. Now the saints are ready to do a trade. That, you know, they still own his rights, so that's kind of how this would have to go. You'd have to, to, to swap draft picks for his rights uh, or, you know, whatever New Orleans is trying to get. I'm sure, you know, they like a first-round pick this year or this coming year because they gave it up. They'd love to recoup that somehow. Um, you know, Bruce Arians, when he left Arizona for the Bucks, Arizona still owned his rights, and they ended up just swapping late-round picks. So there's a lot of different ways to do it, and it should be – pretty easy especially if the team is motivated to get something done with Peyton you know the bigger obstacle could be the money he'll want to command we're we're talking 15 to 20 million dollars a year most likely Jeremy great stuff thanks so much for the time as always awesome thanks Courtney thanks Matt that was ESPN senior NFL writer Jeremy Fowler joining us here on Canty and Carlin ESPN radio is presented by progressive insurance drivers who switch and save with progressive save over $700 on average coming up next after 12 seasons a future Hall of Famer is hanging it up we'll get into that next here on ESPN radio tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts good news ad free listening is available on amazon music included with your prime membership amazon music offers the most ad free top podcasts enjoy shows like first take part of the interruption and the low post available ad free and uninterrupted to start listening download the amazon music app or go to amazon.com espn pods that's amazon.com espn pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? J.J. Watt will walk away from his NFL career as one of the most dominant defensive players of all time and likely a first ballot Hall of Famer. He announced his retirement today on Instagram after 12 years in the National Football League, a career that was filled with many incredible moments both on and off the field. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones kicking it with you on this Tuesday as always presented by Progressive Insurance. So I got to say, Matt, I was a little surprised when I saw the news of this retirement. It was J.J. Watt and his wife and their son. It was his son's first ever NFL game, J.J. Watt tweeted. It was his last ever NFL home game for the Arizona Cardinals. And you just got to think about where this guy ranks among the true greats in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, obviously. Three-time defensive player of the year. There's only been a handful of people, a couple of people to do that. I just think his life story is pretty amazing, too. I mean, this is a guy... He goes to Central Michigan, and he's a tight end. And they don't use him. They don't really play him very much. So he quits the team. He ends up working at a grocery store and deciding to walk on at Wisconsin. And as a walk-on, they move him to the defensive line, and he becomes a great player, ends up in the NFL, which is an amazing story of perseverance. And then, you know, as great a player as he is, and he is one of the greatest of all time, I think the story about him, you should always bring up when you talk about him what he did off the field, the amount of money he helped raise and donated uh, after the Hurricanes in Texas when he played in Houston. I've always felt like with J.J. Watt, he was a guy who understood the bigger picture of what athletes should do and, and be a part of. And I'm not shocked, Courtney, that he actually retired at a younger age. First of all, the NFL seems to have that more than any other sport. And I do wonder if we'll see this more often now with the amount of money the stars make and with the fact with what we know about head injuries etc I wonder if this will be more normal than it has been in the past yeah he's 33 years old and to remind people he had a little bit of a health scare earlier this yes, year this did. was in September it's actually got kind of got buried around the time of Tua's concussions following the ball the uh, Buffalo game and then the Thursday night football game against the Bengals in late September, J.J. Watt had the rhythm of his own heart reset after he experienced atrial fibrillation, and he played in the Cardinals game a couple days later. I remember that kind of went under the radar because he was medically cleared to play, but you got to think, you had your heartbeat reset at that point, and doctors were like, okay, yeah, go play in a football game. That seems like a safe idea. Apparently it was, and he's fine, but you know, at this point, 33 years old, 12 seasons at some point you've got to think Matt you've done all that you can possibly do it's not like this Cardinals team is going to the Super Bowl anytime soon and I got to wonder how much that factored into his decision of how much longer he wanted to keep doing this potentially switching teams going somewhere else you know he's already won the defensive player of the year award three different times all of which happened during his Houston Texans career which is where he came to fame in the NFL and 
I just I, I think it's such an important thing to talk about. Like you mentioned, the amount of money his foundation raised since 2010 when he started at $6.7 million. He was still in college at that point. This was before NIL was a big was it was a thing, and players were able to create their own foundations. And then in the wake of Hurricane Car- Harvey, which happened in August of 2017. That foundation raised more than $37 million to distribute to victims in the Houston area. His initial goal for that was $200,000, and he smashed that and then some. So just some really incredible things that J.J. Watt was able to do on the field and off of it. It's a great career, and he will most surely be a first ballot Hall of Famer. When I do wish we done. could have gotten to see him play for a really good team. I mean, I know he played know. for some playoff teams with the Texans, but he really never got to play for a great team. I think he's one of the – he's not unknown, but he's not as well-known as you would think with a sure. guy of his pedigree. Now, he's not the only Hall of Famer that retired today. Courtney, you know really? another Hall of Famer. That's I exactly right. Professional bowling Hall of Famer. That's right. Pete Weber retired today. Oh, oh, you may say, who's Pete Weber? All of you listening to this have seen him. He's the guy with the sunglasses who famously – as called by our own ESPN's Gary Thorne, did this. Strike to claim it. A strike to claim it. And he got it! That's it! That is right! I did it! At number five! Are you kidding me? That's right! Who do you think you are? I am! <laughs> the all-time great meme of Pete Weber and his who do you think you are? I am comment that Rings true to this day. Some incredible stuff from him and some incredible stuff from J.J. Watt, both of whom are Hall of Famers, I guess, in their own mind. At least there's – I don't know if there's a Hall of Fame for bowling at the level that the NFL is, but there's some really great stuff to learn about J.J. Watt if you don't know already about the impact that he's made as an NFL player, both on and off the field. You're listening to Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones, sitting in for the guys on this Tuesday afternoon. Coming up next, why Sean Payton might not be the only future Hall of Famer changing teams this offseason. Matt and I will get into that next right here on ESPN Radio. Canty and Carlin, weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+.